Diablo Bang. All right, Ash, Hans, did you have a good night? Of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a good night. I had a restful sleep. My morning, on the other hand, was uh, was 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 a little uh, uh, I was a little queasy. Mor- morning si- night court night court morning sickness, if you will. <laughs> Dreams plagued by nerdy burglars. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Um, no, but it was fine. It was fine. I'm not going to start off on a on a. I'm not going to start off by splitting Harry's. I'm not going to start off negative. This is a. Uh, yeah, this is a joy, <laughs> joy to the world. Is this a Christmas episode? That's what I was going to ask. Is no, what? Uh, well, it came out on January third, nineteen eighty-five. Ooh, New oh, Year's thanks for catching. So up. it could have been after the holiday. It it was probably the first episode after the holiday hiatus. In the vein of the original Christmas episode, but normal mid-January. Oh yeah, Christmas in January. So maybe because the episode before would have most likely been before right. Christmas. The one right before was Max, Mac and his wife, right? Yeah, not yes, and not a holiday. Had nothing episode. to do with holidays. And two episodes before was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh, this New Year. I mean, they referenced the. We'll get to it. The mistletoe. So it is at post Christmas because she's like, Billy does mention she leaves it up. Oh, that's right. It's and also it's dead. Dead. Yeah, and it's dead. Much like our soul. So I, I would say not a holiday episode, but holiday adjacent. Oh, but it yeah. is a holiday episode. I mean, the title is called The Birthday Visitor, and isn't a oh, certain yeah, someone's true. birthday a national holiday? You would think so, according to Jim. I mean, him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I have the description right here. Oh, my gosh. That was a su- such a, like, a, a Leslie... What, Lindsay Megan's. Lindsay Megan's. That was such a Lindsay Megan's. <laughs> According to Jim, him. Well, <laughs> so good, so good. This uh, don't let Megan's get a hold of this. By the way, you can't give him oh, this God, episode no. unless you give him a starring role, and then he'll pr- sing its praises. He, but yeah. he got passed up for the robber part. <laughs> it's got a bad TV guide review in the January third of nineteen eighty. What is it? Five. Junior Megan's yeah, review. Yeah, we're in 85 now. Also, 1985, great movie, The Blob. Remake, The Blob. That movie's fantastic. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about with, uh, The Blob. With uh, Matt Dillon, right? Uh, Kevin Dillon. The, Kevin the, Dillon, the brother, yeah. The one from Honor Yeah, Johnny Drama. The the ugly brother. Yeah. <laughs> the ugly brother. I got to tell you, it's October, and it's, it's worth watching, man. That is the first movie that ever scared the bejesus out of me as a kid. I had to sleep on my parents' floor. But and and Meg was like, "Yeah, well, you you were like five when you watched it. Like you should have been." But I thought it was campy. Even all these years later, I thought it was yeah. campy. It's really, really scary. It's great. The original is pretty good. Steve McQueen's in it. Oh, I didn't realize that. He's one of his first movies. Again, I thought the original was more of a like camp factor too, but it was kind of meant to be taken more horrifically. Horrifically, I mean, I, it's campy. It's still yeah. campy. Hmm. The effects, though, the goo, the blob itself. Speaking of blobs, the birthday visitor. I got a description. Yeah, go for it. When Harry is invited to Billy's apartment, that's what I meant by blob. Oh, I meant, I mean, <laughs> blah, b. 
<laughs> when Harry is invited to Billy's apartment for a birthday drink, what could have been a romantic evening turns into a frightening experience as the two are accosted by, I'll say dot, dot, dot. Oh, yeah, do it. Do it. All right. Do you guys want that little appetizer before we dive well, in? Well, that's what I was going to say really quickly to set this up. Casey's got some research on crime during Going that back. time. Beautiful. Crime crime beat nice. and then from I've, the street. I have some well, I'm not I'm I don't wanna I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna bury the lead. Um I have some information or writings related to Harry and Billy. So All I right. think halfway through when we get to that Ooh, point in the episode intermission, huh? I'll, Let's I'll take go the to intermission. The... Wait, what's the intermission song? Lobby, let's all lobby, go yeah. to the lobby. Wow, that was so. I was like, lobby. lobby. And bitch lobby. about Billy. <laughs> Caddy lobby break. All right, so we're gonna do crime beat from the street. Hit it. Do we need a? Do we need a crime beat ramba? Yeah, if we got something a little crime beat. This one's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of rambas in this episode because I got a lot of. Uh, Everybody, click your chucka sticks. Oh, yeah, here oh, we go. Yeah, pop those chuckas because it's crime beat from the street. Regular or mental. Uh so couple uh, stories I found from around the time I tried to pick things I thought were were worthy of gallows, like something you may see in uh, the episode. Gotcha. Or, but not this episode. No, 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 not this episode. <laughs> uh, or just stories I was that would ap- appeal to all of us forensic files. Oh, files. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, the first one is called Hotel Murder is Investigated. Detectives questioned scores of employees and guests at the Dorset Hotel yesterday as they began investigating the murder of a woman who was bludgeoned to death Thursday in her hotel room at 30th West 54th Street. The woman, Ruth Potavan, 58, from Ridgewood, New Jersey, was attending a business convention with her husband, Robert. He discovered her body in the hotel room about 12.45 p.m. after she had gone there to change her clothes and failed to join them at the luncheon. The police said her purse appeared to have been rifled through and the door was ajar. I read it and I was like, this sounds like a forensic to me. Oh, yeah. We think, husband? Hmm. Good question. Uh, Does she have somebody on the side? Doesn't say. I'm just going by what I got on the on the page. You're playing true blue also, detective. Always Dorset the husband. Hotel. I love how so- shady that sounds. Uh, uh, as soon there. as uh, if anything were to ever happen to my spouse, I would burn all of these podcasts because they always go after the husband <laughs> and they will find yeah, the loosest be. string to to. I saw them like like this like poor couple, and it turned out sometimes forensic files spins it on its ear. And they exonerate the person that's like busted. What? What? Could She's calling that? out Selma Hacker Jr. Uh-oh. is weighing oh, in. Oh, baby. She's like, I hate forensic files. Nine months of listening to that shit. Oh, my God. I was thinking the same thing. I was saying, like, uh, uh, Meg, should I just read you a book? Because <laughs> all I do is play forensic <laughs> files and it could be dangerous. <laughs> But uh, where was I? Oh, I mean, yeah, it was like the husband. They were like a poor family. They totally railroaded this guy, and they did it all out of a motive. Like they seriously had a uh, a life insurance policy on each other. Like one for, one of those ones you get when you watch late night forensic oh, files. Like 
We'll yeah. cover anybody pre-existing conditions and we'll just, we'll barely cover the cost of your funeral. <laughs> it's so depressing. Right. It's like a mall kiosk. Yes. Like life insurance. Uh, it's like 15 grand. Uh, so it wasn't even that. It was like five grand or something. And that's all it took for motive to get this guy. And, and it was totally, totally not him. So anyway, so I guess if you're going pure crooked cop, we'll go husband. So I'm thinking, but also, like, I love how... I also think it's the 80s and hotel security, not that great. Just a cat with a bell. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, would, I would say maybe... I mean, robberies were very, very common and frequent in hotels. I've seen plane trains time. and automobiles. And, but also, 30 West 54th would have been right by the park, like Ooh. 5th Avenue, 6th... Because 5th Avenue is, the, is where it demarks east and west right yes 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 so if it's 30 west it's got to be between fifth and sixth Ooh, that's kind of in the scum bummery of it all it wouldn't be now but it would be then yeah. i literally know one of the lead homicide detectives that worked that district's beat or that precinct's beat and i was like because i used to work on the upper east side just a, I guess mm-hmm. 25 blocks up from that and I was like, well, it couldn't have been so bad. Or it's Upper East Side. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, this is where the vulnerability was. Like, everybody came from the po- more poverty yeah. strict because they're not going to rob each other because they don't have anything. So they just yeah, made yeah. their way down a few blocks and would, you know, uh, rob all these stores. And this is where people, he's like, this is where everybody got mugged is Upper East Side. I will. Yeah, we're five blocks away from Central Park, yeah. essentially, which, you know, it, it during the day, even in the 80s, mm-hmm. still great tourist place, probably very safe at night, probably one of the most dangerous places you can I be would, in New York I City. Would, I'm, yeah. sh- I'm glad I wasn't alive then because I'm sure I would have had too much to drink and taken a dare of running through, making it through Central Park at 2 a.m. Can you make it from the east oh, to the God. west side? Oh, Jesus, yeah. That actually sounds, that, that's, that's a movie, had- baby. <laughs> if we were alive during that time, I never would have met either of you. You, oh no! You would have been dead or maimed. no? We would have been head of gangs. Been sex somewhere. boys, living under the park in that like on the train tracks. There's, like, yeah, there's something romantic about being an '80s scumbag in New York. No, but it's true. Like I remember after having lived in New York for a while, you from the movies, you know, like your classic. I say classic. This is sad to say that there's a classic homeless type archetype, oh, but you know, like. The big, you know, <laughs> like shopping cart full of cardboard and like the trench coats and like the clothes made out of pieces of garbage. Yes. Like you don't really see them a lot, but Upper West Side, Upper East Side, that's where they go. And it makes sense because that's where people the with money are. The good shit is the good trash. And the good trash. Yeah, you're right. The good trash, fanciest restaurant. There's a guy who's a, a talk about traditional classic let's let's use another word that probably shouldn't be related to homelessness but an institution of homelessness in new york and he usually was on like 28th street um and this guy went all out he disguised himself essentially as like disguised like nom like as a like as a pile of garbage bags so like he oh, just yeah. wore all these garbage bags and then like either glued or somehow adhered pieces of newspaper and then he covered himself in black shoe polish. So you just saw like if he was sleeping you didn't see him but if he was awake you just saw like the whites of his eyes. Yeah. 
It was. It's like an urban wasteland warlord. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I, I don't recall. I don't. I don't recall talking to him or anything. So I don't recall if it was just a. Uh, 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 if there was mental stuff going on, or if it was just uh, I met. That's funny that we talk about that when I, when we first lived in New York. That first job I had was the Starbucks by the Brooklyn College. So like deep, yes, Brooklyn Flatbush Avenue. Juve, Juve, indeed. Um, and there was this one classic sort of night court homeless guy, short guy, baseball cap, mustache. Like, would do, like, bits. Like, he had a tight five that he'd do on the subway. It's hard to get a tight five. Because that was, he was like, I could beg for money, but I prefer to, like, earn it. So he would do his shtick, and, like, he'd come to the Starbucks, and I'd give him, like, all the food we were going to throw away. Oh, but he was the like stuff that. that didn't go to us first. Yeah, exactly. Stuff I hadn't already kicked to the side. But he would, like, he would order espressos with, like, a twist of lemon. Like, he was like a Looney Tunes homeless guy. He was like... I like to treat myself. Oh, that's such an Italian. Thing I live in a do. dumpster. I love it. Uh, yeah, so that was mo- like, and I just loved how horrifically like suburban '80s it sounded. Like a woman leaves New Jersey oh, to come to the city for work and gets murdered. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Like at a convention. No, it literally. You said forensic files, and I was like, also like every Law and Order, like yeah, person from the suburbs comes into the city. Like yeah, it's all it's missing. Stays is that in Midtown, it, gets horrifically murdered. It, like she drove her pink Cadillac because she did the fucking makeup. Oh, I what it was she, Mary, a Mary Kay. Mary Kay. It was like a Mary Kay convention. It doesn't say what it was, but that's what I picture. Like their little pink suitcase. Uh, it was rifled through by a miscreant. Law and Order Menendez. Are you partaking? Ooh, no, we heard about it. It's the like OJ, like what they did the previous season. Yeah, it's the appropriation of a true crime prime time because now it's on major network. <laughs> and true it's crime law, prime time. It's a law and order. It's law and order, but it's good. Oh, it is. It's good. It just doesn't have the. Uh, they still like as much as prime time or the the mains wanna wanna. Uh, put out the image that they're upper cable. They're just never can be. You can still see the notes in the writer's room. Like you got to tone it down and stuff. So while it's very, very good, it's just, it's, it's a little milk, milky, vanilla, vanilla, little ice milk. Um, how's Edie Falco? She's great. She's great. Yeah. But again, it's like, she's my, she's wonderful yeah she's absolutely wonderful Mm -hmm. and it's not her her acting choices are great it's just it's not only that uh uh that the show is vanillaed vanillied it's also that they just they consider their audience to be like the lowest common denominator so they just have to make everything so digestible and easy so like so much exposition could be like there's so much like meat there to chew on but they don't give it to you. They just give you straight up the bone. That's all you need. And moving on. Like they just want to make sure their story is tight and concise and they don't they don't really go into there's not much floridity there. Yeah. Uh just give you the Speaking of, you got another uh murdered. You do, housewife? I do another another crime beat from oh. the street. Uh this one is <laughs> oh, No, Dad, we don't shut want your it shut your yeah. Give that baby a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we all feel about this episode. Agreed. My sentiments exactly, Harv. Uh, So this one's called 
Uh, title of the story, mail, mail Carrier Surrenders and Shooting at Post Office. Mm-hmm. A mail carrier facing uh, dismissal from a job, from his job, shot and seriously wounded a postal clerk and his uh, supervisor, whom he held hostage for almost two hours yesterday at the Postal Service office in Lower Manhattan before surrendering, surrendering to authorities. The mail carrier, identified as Joseph Lewis Medina, 45, of Brooklyn, was charged with assault under federal statutes and turned over to the federal authorities because the incident occurred in, on federal property. Whew, that's rough. Should have known that before. The wounded clerk of Brooklyn was taken to the New York Infirmary. Uh, the, he had a bullet wound to his chest, said the hospital spokesman. He is listed in serious but stable condition. Uh, Mr. Medina went to the sixth floor of the conference room where he confronted his supervisor, John Foley. It's a good it's a good supervisor. Perfect. Man. John Foley. Hey, John Foley. What you doing here? Put the gun down. Joe, Joe, what you doing with that gun? Is that uh, loaded? The conversation... <laughs> Better not Better be, be loaded. In that I thing. love that. The, yeah. How many times is that? Like the that's the it's not the gun pointing. Like that's how like Mm-mm. oblivious these people are to their horrid working situations. It's the loaded fact. Hey, it, but that better not be loaded. Don't, otherwise, it's okay because I don't want to have to try you and get I, somebody for your weekend shift. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not working your Saturday. Uh, but if it's loaded, so com- oh boy. <laughs> Both our weekends are up in smoke. <laughs> you realize this is going to be a federal crime if that thing is loaded. <laughs> if not, put it away. <laughs> John Foley, postal cop. <laughs> Just so every, nothing. Yeah, John Foley, postal cop. Nothing trumps the schedule. <laughs> I ain't coming in today. <laughs> Yeah, he gets. He always get. That's his his first response. Like whenever he gets a call, like, "Hey, there's been a shooting in the mailroom." <laughs> oh, I ain't coming in today. <laughs> Write it up. It's that and that that better not be loaded. Those are his two catchphrases. And that better not be. Loaded. It better not be loaded because he knows like jujitsu or something. And he doesn't want to like. I don't want to have to hurt you. Oh, God. Every supervisor knows some shitty form of martial arts right at the <laughs> mid-belt level. Hey, I'm a, yeah, I'm a right. puce belt. <laughs> a nice khaki. <laughs> what, what kind of belt uh, is that? Oh, it's pleated. <laughs> so as we discussed, the conversation no between the pleats. two men quickly became That's heated. The, sorry. That's the supervisor's belt of martial arts. No, hey, where's your, what <laughs> belt are you? I don't need one. I'm pleated status. <laughs> pleated. Oh, it's right after white. It's braided. It's leather. I only wear it on Sunday. Braided. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, no, it's no problem. Uh, Mr. Medina drew his thirty thirty rifle from his mailbag. Fired at Mr. Natali and took Mr. Foley hostage uh, in an empty office next to the conference room. Uh, the area was sealed off. Police, hostage negotiators, federal agents, postal inspectors, and Mr. Medina's attorney gathered outside to uh, around the building. I just love postal inspectors because, like, we were just joking about, like, I'm not coming in today. <laughs> Inspector. This out of my jurisdiction. This is a gun. What is, uh, yeah, so internal affairs is is like kind of the hard asses. It's the people yeah. that investigate the police. 
So, uh, a postal yeah, yeah. inspector, the internal affairs of the post office, already a <laughs> shitty place. So then you have to go in, and it's like any other job when you have your supervisor standing right by you, and you gotta act yeah. busy and do all this bullshit that doesn't need to get done. So then I like add that on top. So a supervisor has a supervisor watching them while they're watching you. Ugh. So it's like, hey, hey, did you miss a letter there? Come on. Oh, 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 oh. is it's that like- thing loaded? My supervisor's here. <laughs> My supervisor's here. That thing better not be loaded. While he gets out of the can, put holster that holster that clip. Is that a bump stock? Is that a bump stock? Come on. Is there booze in that box? Open it up. <laughs> that better not. Yeah, he's the same guy. That better. Let's just say that's peppermint schnapps on your breath. Let's just say it. <laughs> Don't say a thing. That's why. Don't say a that's thing. That's why Charles Bukowski hated his job so much. I would too if it was. Jo- but oh god! All right, since we're on the post, I don't know if you ever. There's a John Bukowski documentary where he was so furious, like Lee practicing oh, to yeah. get his job as a postal carrier because it was the only job of somebody in his condition that would aid him enough time to write and drink the way he needed to. So he used to like he was furiously scumbag. Yeah, he used to furiously stay up at night, drink whiskey, and he built his own like mock right. version of the boxes you put letters into and, the area code boxes. Yes, and he would like drink and like just time himself as he put letters in these boxes. He's a God he damn. is a I, I he is a like a one in a one in a lifetime kind of individual. And and oh, there's no, he, nothing he, romantic. Some there's a lot of romanticism there. But if you watch this documentary, like you'll see him like no, kick it, his girlfriend yeah. in the face and shit. It's really <laughs> disturbing. No, but it's like so poetic that some like at least he wrote. Yes, that's what I mean. Instead of drink more, because he could have drank drink twice as that's much. That's what I don't understand. But he would drink yeah. and write. Yep, I don't know how that where you can find that because he's there's like. Because even functional alcoholics, when you have to be like a functionally creative alcoholic, at some point that dissipates, but it just didn't for him. And then the argument is like, well, he could have made so much more work. It's like, no, he could, he wouldn't have made any. He needed the the stress. And it was like watching that, you're like, holy shit. Because they filmed a lot of some of that in like the late 70s, 80s, even, where he's doing that post box thing. And you're like a machine. Is literally doing that somewhere. Yes. Like he was so worried and so proud of a job that a, a fucking robot arm was going to take in the next 48 hours. Oh, so sick. Which scared the shit out of him, which made him work harder, which made him drink more, which made him write more. Like just that weird like alchemy of his life that could only happen, like you said, to one person. Yeah, it's just a one, no other post. And, and by the way, has the post office become like synonymous is it like the institutional version of the penny like it is totally unnecessary now other than this uh belief that it it main like it it keeps people in jobs whereas actually those jobs they would just get um like well maybe they'd be given the drones now but really in the interim they just get jobs with the other independent services right like does the post office just exist to be a little suck on the, uh, they don't give a fuck. Like I've been to the post. Yes. We live down the street from the post office, so I've been a few times in like just the last couple months. They don't give a fucking no. shit. I don't blame. I them. don't think they ever did, but they just don't 
care. Like I went, there was like a homeless lady squatting outside that walked in with no shoes, and they're just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Fuck. It's yeah. like a flop house. The, it's a nightmare, and, and I think even you're right. With even more than ever, they just have this constant debate over the head. Like people like me saying, like, shouldn't they just get a you know, like yeah. d- d- blown off the face of like em- employment society. Well, it's- because it's a government job, it's that Bukowski mm-hmm. sort of like he he was like that old school mentality of like I need a job with like where I know I'll get retirement, where I know like I'll get guaranteed yeah. hours. Like he knew he wasn't going to get built because he didn't work for a corporation, so they have to. And then he has severance, like you know, like he made the right ish decision, I guess. Yeah. Well, well he, it's like yeah. all those stories. Even Kevin Smith's dad was the same way. He hated the post office, but he worked for it because. Well, yeah, there's this big. Be- it was a because, and I think, and in both those instances, it's noble. But then there's also the opposite instance where it's just like I just want a job to facilitate like uh, normalcy or safety or something. Where it's just like I just want yeah. need to go to this job. I know I can't get fired because it's union. Then I can go home, yeah. watch my TV, have my TV no, dinner, and then go I back to work and have a job. In other places, like Columbus, it's it's funny because I think like people like actively compete to get that job because there are so few slots now. Yeah. But it has that built-in security. And the other big one I never even thought about, and it's here in Columbus, is working for the library. Huh. Because Columbus is the state capital, so they have this huge, beautiful old library downtown. Yeah. But because the library is so popular, they have all these sort of annexes in all of the little sort of surrounding suburbs or even in other parts of Columbus. So just in talking to people, it's like a huge, huge get if you can get in with the library. I suppose. And this makes me sound like negative against people that get these jobs. I just think I, I think it's unfortunate in like society that these people have to worry about getting a job strictly due to safety because everything's so unstable yeah no just the, to go off ashley just told me any city or state job in columbus is unionized yeah so not only do you get insurance your whole family gets insurance. yeah so i totally get it like that's not i don't really think that somebody does it solely to that I, that's me projecting it like like i guess right, i just yeah. get this job and then i get it because then i could be dead 12 hours out of my 24 hour day but uh right no no yeah. it's just it's just the shitty way the way that system works what's the weird thing about new york like it's not a th- thing like i didn't hear anybody talk about trying to get that job maybe it's just different because in new york you are like surrounded by 50 year old guys in a band still trying to make well, it man we're still gonna make just, it like they're not actively looking to get a job with insurance that just reframe they it provide they are though like think of all the construction guys you're around that only got that job because mm. of their, their their family's been in it for like three generations of like steel workers yeah so they're like juiced That's, in to not you know certainly not the safest job but it's like so make sure I, I got my is- bennies and I can, you know, uh, if I'm unemployed, I can, I can, you know, get my um, unemployment, all that shit. Yeah. 
It's like we talked about. You get your 10 a.m. beer. You get your 10 a.m. beer. I feel like I feel like Bull might be from a, a long line of uh, bailiff. Well, like, New York construction. <laughs> yeah, he's the one. He, he got away. out. He's working for the man. We uh, so yeah. I guess we can finish the story. Oh, sorry. Because yeah. uh, we'll find out why Mr. Medina was so like angered. Uh, New York Postmaster John Nolan said Mr. Medina was a longtime employee who, after two recent suspensions, has been told he was dismissed. Mr. Medina had been disciplined for improper conduct, providing false information, and always, always, this is always the one that will break the camel's back, tardiness. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Like, never shoehorn tardiness in just to get someone over. Like, do something legit, because it's always the, like... They fire me for fucking tardiness. I'm coming in here with a fucking machete. Exactly. Especially in New York. New York is synonymous with tardiness. And yet, for some reason, can't avoid it. tardiness is not acceptable in New York. Like, every institution of transportation in New York uh, runs on the complacency of tardiness. But as soon as you get a shitty fucking nine to five... They can't believe you would be five minutes. Like the train exploded. It's bullshit that people still get like that's their their fucking ace up their sleeve is like, well, I can ding him for tardiness. God, like it's just a given. Like you live in New York City. You're immediately just tardy. You're just tardy. Like just get used to it. Like you better kiss your boss's ass because he's going to fucking fire you for being late one time. Right. And, oh, my God, we used to, when I worked in a restaurant, we used to, my last restaurant I worked in, we used to have a meeting every morning. And on the weekends, it was always the same because Sunday morning, I forget what line I was on and not that the listener cares, but like the four, five, six, I think. And it was just horrendous. They always had work on it. And they would literally say this like it was okay. Like, and it had to be because people had to adhere to it. They'd be like, we understand the trains aren't working. There's potential to be late. I got here. It's, it's the same spiel. I got here. Yeah, uh, I left my house two hours early, but I got here. It's like, fuck, fuck you. you, then. It's a, This is a restaurant job. This is a dumb meeting exactly. oh my about God. dumb food on a Saturday morning. I'm not leaving two hours early for this. I've, Sorry. Never I've seen to. people get sent home from that meeting for not standing appropriately. You have to stand yes. with your hands holding each other behind. Your hands, like, oh, you God. know, one hand holding the other behind your back. Like a fucking military. Ugh. Oh, I'm oh, so I had that place. As close as I got to a job like that, I only had for a month, maybe. Yeah. And I just, I had it because I was like, I need the uh, the extra money and just had the other part-time job. Was this Rye? And, no, this was right before Rye. Okay. Uh, so this is like, I had just quit my Allen and Delancey, which was a great oh, money Delancey, job, but it was going, yeah. was going under. So I was working there and had part-time shifts at Trailer Park. Right. So I quit the one job because the check the checks were bouncing. So I was like, I'm not fucking good. They're not going to soak me for a grand. Right, of course. Uh, so I got a job at this other restaurant in Tribeca, and it was the same thing. Like, show up, you know, and it's just a shithole. It sucks. But they they act like you're at, you know, the fucking... Top of the rock, like serving the queen. Yeah. And I was like, you just serve disgusting French onion soup and just crappy food that hasn't changed since the 80s. Oh, God, yes. So they'd ha- do the same thing. They'd have that, that mid-morning meeting and you had to like be ta- look either look like you're taking notes or taking yes. notes. You couldn't just sit and like take it in. Uh-huh. So I got dinged for that once. Yep. And then they would cut people 
if it didn't look busy sure. enough and they would always take a volunteer or they would pick somebody. So I a few times was like, I don't want to work a fucking always volunteer, breakfast right. lunch during the week. I was like, ah, I'll go. <laughs> That's when they were like, you seem to be volunteering to leave quite a bit. Oh God, it's such like, bullshit. It's uh, yes, I, I was know like, it. this guy's got a kid. He's a single dad. He needs the shift. So I was like, he needs the money more than I do. I'm going to volunteer so he gets to work. Right. I'm like, I you, do you not want to be here? And like, they made me just. I just had to be like, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> oh, it's so. Oh, John, is that loaded? Those kind of jobs. Yeah. Is hey, that is that loaded? loaded? <laughs> The same bullshit. Yes, everybody, any job like that, every employee has a loaded gun in their brain. Everyone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They might as well just be walking around with a thought bubble with a with a cocked gun. Oh, it was one of those great. Like I went out with some of the the new guys and like the old servers after like a, a lunch before a dinner because all the aces got dinner. Like that's where you make the money. Sure. So we went to this divey bar and I was like. I don't think I can work here because they just got fucking blackout drunk at seven. Like it was just one of those things. It was like they were on tour. It was Nam. They're a platoon. Yep. You're the new guy. It's this is the worst place on the planet. <laughs> I was it's, like, yeah, good. So I don't, yeah, good. that dy- like the dynamic it, or the the like. So it's this weird cyclical thing. And I think it, we got to get back to the episode. It's this weird cyclical <laughs> yeah. thing where. People that go to these fancy restaurants assume that the people working at these fancy restaurants are lazy and like, um, yeah, they lack the drive to get a job like they have. And mm-hmm. so, so they have this feeling in this, and yet, um, be, be, oh, I'm trying to, trying to put it together. And yet, the way, like, because they're the clientele who are these people supposedly with drive, the management, like puts this onus of like importance on the job. Whereas if all of that could be washed away, it could be simplified where it's like, like exactly what it is. There, there needs to be no yeah. pressure whatsoever. Cause it's just no. one person facilitating the biological needs of another person bringing yeah. food from point A to point B yet. It's created like, su- like it's just, they, the people that go to the restaurant feel like it's such a, like, um, uh, a lazy job, so they treat it as such. But whereas, and the opposite is true because these people have to stand at attention, and yeah. there's so much stress on them that they drink their lives away. It's such a nightmare. Whew. And then the the fallacy oh, yeah. on top of that that people feel like, well, you get these restaurants jobs because you got to do something else, and it gives you the time to do something else. So you just you're just going in for the like. That's not true. Like if you get in it to win yeah. it, it will destroy any motivation or it'll destroy any like aspirations that you have because you have to drink away the the tours of duty you've done i have one little story that perfectly sums up exactly what you just stated the place i worked had outside seating it was in tribeca so you get celebrities harvey keitel would come sit outside order a shitty glass of wine by the glass not look you in the eye if he didn't like it, he would pour it into the street. And not pay for it? Like right right onto the sidewalk. Ugh. Not taste it and go, Yeah, that's not really my bag. Just not you make take a sip, not look at you, and just dump it onto the sidewalk. 
like with so with that was vitriol? your cue to bring bring him more wine, a different wine. Like you just automatically choose a different wine for Mister Kaitel. Yep, that's so funny. You let's let's burn Kaitel one more time. He <laughs> he I and and it's weird. You tell me if I'm crazy because he used to park in front of the bar you and I used to work at. That was a no parking zone. And he used to uh-huh. run across the street. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe somebody new lived across the street or something. And he would run across the street and he'd be gone for like an hour. And every single time he would get a ticket, his car would get a ticket. And he'd, sure, yeah. he'd grab the ticket off his windshield when he got into his car and just throw it in the street. <laughs> and I was like, well, perfect. All right. So that's douchey, I guess. Guess, but at the same time, if you have Harvey Keitel money, should you ever like time is money as well? Should you ever uh-huh. worry about like where you're going to park just because you get a ticket? Is that yeah, like some no, seriously sweet fuck you money? The wine thing is pure butthole, but the other thing's kind of like because it's wine by the glass. It was like eight bucks. If you know what you want, order the bottle. Like you know, like yeah. Con- contrast that. John Ham used to come into my restaurant. Uh, and the only reason I bring up another name is just another celebrity on that level. And he would order, like, he would always come in with friends and he'd order bottles of wine and some bottles he didn't like. And he just, he just would grab the menu and order a different bottle of wine and always pay for all the wine too, without sure. question. Even when it was taken off the, uh, uh, it was usually take, some of them were usually taken off at the end or all of them. But when he'd come back and order a different wine because he didn't like that, and he'd be like, it's not corked or anything. You're like, I'll take care of it. But it's like, you got so much sure. fucking money. Wine by the glass, Harvey. Some people don't get yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't get what- uh, The scummery of it. Or they don't get what legacy means. Or And, and a yeah. legacy isn't the yep. right word, but they just don't get public perception. Like, all it takes is- Oh, no. And it- That. He'd been going there since the 80s. So to him, this restaurant- was his kitchen. Very 80s move, yeah. Like, he would come every other day for lunch or brunch. He had his spot. You know, you were told not to bother him. And, like, of course, in my crew of young go-getters, this one kid just straight up was like, damn, dude, that's Harvey Keitel? I heard Steve Martin Scorsese comes in here. I, br- I bring a script every day because I'm going to give it to him. And I was oh, like, don't keep do dreaming, Johnny Dreamer. <laughs> don't do that. He's going to burn you with a cigar. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Is that a script, Ace? You just can't fucking brain you. Uh, if only you had that script. That could be the next. We could just read that script because I have a feeling we're pretty deep in the episode yet not really gotten into the episode. And the reason is because we don't really want to get into the episode because I uh, maybe yeah. – I personally my wasn't first a big my fan. first note is uh, just no bueno yeah based solely on the picture like it came up and Ashley just went Ugh. yeah <laughs> but I think we can burn through it yeah, like, oh my god there's not yeah. a ton to talk about Let's, we got we got I mean we got amazing we got a, there's always a there's always a copper side to every wooden nickel <laughs> um because <laughs> uh, we got a great character in here we got some funny bits oh yeah uh, but first there's off a couple we, good gags we, in we here. start in the hallway oh yeah no uh Dan is uh sitting at the shoe shine shop. Just, uh, and Billy walks up to check in and good old Dan, Dan Fielding, women are useless. Couldn't said it better myself. Women are useless. So Billy. We come to find out he's a little pissy because he's got 
He's invited to like what the transit workers gala or something. It's something very New York-y sounding. Uh, well, yeah, just one of those shitty Subway events. Subway drivers that's not local. an event. It just happens to be at the mayor's house, and the mayor's probably not even going to be there. What's the mayor's house in New York again? It has a name. Uh, Gracie Mansion. Yeah, Gracie Mansion. On um, on the Upper East Side, by the way. Yeah, he uh, is it. I think it is. Isn't it on? Uh... York? Oh, it doesn't I matter. thought, yeah, I don't know. Oh, here. I thought it was downtown. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, me, I thought, yeah, you're right. I'm not sure what I'm The I'm mayor lives in the else. sewers like the Ninja Turtles. Right. It's as it should be. It, oh, by the cloisters? Ashley said it's uptown by the cloisters. That's 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 like hanging on that's to far. Manhattan by the fingernails. Oh, yeah, it couldn't get for farther away. That's so fucking New York elite. Like back in the day when it like only like oh, the yeah. rich people had these giant estates just north of 14th Street where it was all just open yeah. land. And they literally packed everybody south of 14th into tenements like sardines. And then they would have literally like plantation estates. No, it's literally the cloisters is literally a castle that they flew in from Europe. Yeah, oh, my like, God. Yeah. A- the cloisters, I had no idea what I, because I didn't know the history behind it, and I've been. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, it's super cool. Uh, the Last Crusade. Yeah, it really is. It's like an Indiana Jones movie. You've got car sarcophaguses but it's in, and. Like, you can walk to Yankee Stadium from there. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. And, oh, my God. And it's surrounded by so much land in a place that uh, has no premium. real estate. Um, but, anyways, Dan hates women. And I yep. hate the next scene. Where yes. Harry Dan's trying to get old Billy to come to this uh, cloister yeah, event. He needs a date yep. for the uh So people are turning him down, that's why he's upset with women. And then it's surprising me a little bit, Dan hits hits on Billy. It wasn't just a ruse. Like it actually turns like no, romantic. No. Like he actually wants Billy to go like not as like just a plus one, but like as a date. Yes. Yeah. No, I, that took me a second. I was like, is he, he's not just trying to use her. He's trying to use oh, yeah. her. But you don't try and use Billy under the mountain hawk eyes of old Harry Stone. God, no. Because. I know, because he's calls him to the bench for his, I, what my note is, Harry's Navajo fast. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I, I think it's even uh, a little spicy. Well, not that the word Navajo is spicy, but he uses the term bush people. And is that an acceptable term? <laughs> I don't. I think it's an old term. I, I feel like they're they they've found the tri- like the bush people, the bushmen. Yeah. Like, like I think that was what they used for aborigines. That's what they I call yes. them bush people because bushmen in Australia or New Zealand that area is referred to as the bush. The bush. So I guess it so becomes spicy aborigines when you use bush people when you put people under the umbrella of bush people. Yes. Yes. But anyways, back and to it was a f- play the Navajo Ramba. Navajo. Back to Harry's Navajo jokes. <laughs> Which I didn't write any um, down. <laughs> no, what it had to do, because uh, I was curious where it was going, despite yes, having remember, seen yeah. the title of the episode. It had to do with, like, when the, the Braves reach an age, they're celebrated, and it had to do with birthdays. Uh, and ancient nomadic people's traditions to celebrate said birthday. He should have went with the one, uh, the very true tradition that I've heard of, of a uh, tribe. And I'm not even going to say where it's from because I don't want to get it mixed up. But a very true tradition that when um, the warriors of this tribe reach 
like the age of 13, they are circumcised and they're uncircumcised in front of the village. And if they flinch or make a noise during the circumcision, they are outcast from the tribe and have to earn their way back in. I don't know if that's Is that the, via like the so, ninjas take it tribe. It's a big ninjas take it tribe. It's a, <laughs> a true ninja does take Real ninjas it. take it. <laughs> oh, it's so horrible. But wouldn't you just like I would scream before they even got towards it, and then just yeah. get kicked out and be like, "All right, I'm not coming well, back. Free. I'm a loose cannon. Right. See you, ma. I'm not gonna like bring you back a tiger pelt. Well, oh, that gets spiked. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not. I, there's no need to come back. I'll just walk to the next tribe that doesn't cut your dick off and punish you if they see <laughs> tears. <laughs> well, speaking of tears, we find out that Chief Harry is putting his tribe through. Some tears of a clown because he's because as we mentioned earlier, the boss is fishing for birthday compliments, oh, and there's the nothing worse than boss's birthday. The whole month is my birthday. I can be drunk all month. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> it's my birthday. I don't pay. I don't go to work on my birthday. Fuck you. You're in your thirties. <laughs> You'll die on your birthday. <laughs> All right, where okay, so yeah, he's fishing for his happy birthday. Drinks with the boss. Right. So it, as I recall, he mm-hmm. says, you know, oh, it's my birthday, fishing for compliments, gets the happy birthday, and then he's like, let's all go for drinks afterwards. And then Billy, <sighs> which I think is uh-huh. hello, which I think is perfectly reasonable to say, sure. hey, it's my birthday, I want to go out with my friends or my coworkers or both to get drinks. But then Billy's like, no. It's your birthday. We're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to have a cake and champagne and we're going to go out. Billy, you're not invited. (laughs) Right? Which I thought I was like, could it get any worse? Ladies and gentlemen. Does it? Does it It does. But anyway, so she says that it's it's the non- acted out eye roll from the rest of the gang. Yeah. And then poor innocent bull. Does anybody have the line? Yeah. We should we should make it a surprise party. A surprisingly mm. long beat. And they all give him the dumb bull. They're like, okay, I guess dumb bull showed up today. Oh no, did I ruin it? Right intro. And is that the last time? No, excuse me. I was going to say. Because we don't get a lot of secondary characters here. But we get no, a little more no, and a not. tertiary character as we come back from break and we find ourselves yeah. in Papa Stoney's Greek Cafe. Papa Jack, Papa Jack baby. Yeah. And Papa Jack's looks to be back to Italian. Did you guys get a, the decor? Uh, Papa Jack is locked in Henning's basement <laughs> for anti-Greek <laughs> yeah, sentiment. Yeah, it, it, looks, it looks to be back, back to Italian. Also, really quickly... And we can delve into this later, but a fact, and I don't know where someone got this fact, so I can't quantify it as false or not false, but I believe it's been said or stated that at one point in time, Reinhold Wiege said that Bull's IQ is 181, which is high genius level. All right. Wait. Easily distracted, though. Oh, yeah. As with, yeah, he's he's an eccentric. So he's like, he's one of those kind of idiot savant, savant type of people. Savant, gotcha. that's what I was looking for. Yeah. So yeah, so I, so really quickly, I like, hello, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's so hard to be you. It It's just really funny because they, 
I think they're writing for that now. Okay. Not that he's stupid, but he's that just, he's dim socially. Social cues are beyond him. That, but then they also, when it comes to like a doctor talking about a diagnosis, mm-hmm. he completely understands and jumps in. Right. So I that's think that's autism. where we're getting the two mm-hmm. the two bulls right now is uh, is that idiot savant yeah. type that of rain persona. man. I am autistic. I have superpowers. Level of yeah. Gotcha. Taking bull to Vegas, Sorry. baby. Oh yeah, do it. Sorry, uh, Papa so Jacks. Papa Jacks. So yeah, we come back. We're at Papa Jacks. Uh, Harry is finit like one of those dumb gags. It's like let's finish a really weird joke. I know I'm guilty of having written plenty myself. Has like, it been this good? And a weird conversation. Uh, and it was. Don't know about or just I don't know, but my goats are kidding. I I had to switch my. I finally made the leap and switched my. Um, Viewing Close to caption. closed captioning. So I was like, I I literally rewound it three times and Meg's like, just stop. And I finally closed caption it because I was like, I don't know what he's saying, Meg. It sounds like he says something about the goats are kidding. And I closed captioned it and that's exactly what he said. And I was like, but to his credit, okay. to the writer's credit, I've done the exact same thing. Everybody thought it was real funny. Oh, oh yeah. they sure did. And sure enough, as we real quick, as we see the party bestrothed upon them, they're all just mm-hmm. drinking tap waters. There's not a scrap of <laughs> yeah, food. Right. There's not a cocktail. There's not a Coca-Cola on the table. Juice, it's just no, a pitcher they, and some tap waters. Yeah, they have birthday hats. But I also noticed, I was like, this just looks pathetic. Like, I don't know if they did it on purpose or if it was just a mistake from the props person. But even the linen on the tables is like uneven and sloppy. Like it was just thrown on the tables that they put together. That's what happens when you get it's Donald just, in charge. It's very, yeah. it's it's incredibly depressing. It is very depressing. Just like uh, this episode. Oh, wah, so wah. bad. So we uh, before we we meet the uh, Papa Jack's replacement, good old Dan Fielding, still on the hunt for a date. He fu- so he cats up to like a, a babe at the bar alone at this and, bar. Uh, Alone at this bar, total eighties babe, shoulder pads, the whole deal. And it totally it doesn't look like a bar. Like it looks like a diner counter. Right. Yeah. Like this is yeah. Don't ask any as we learned the last time we were here, whoever's sitting at that bar, saddest person in the room. And yeah, yeah, that's another caveat to perhaps you have a drinking problem. Don't drink alone and don't drink at diners. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so Dan thinks it's the woman of his dreams, and he invites her to the the gala, and he she may meet the mayor, and her response is, "Oh, good. I guess I'll have to shave my armpits." No, it's a question. Will, oh, will I, I have to? She does say and he says, it's such okay. a contradictory <sighs> character choice because she has the ditzy affectation, but the very yeah. like un quote unquote unfeminine like statement. So I would yeah, think it would either be like, I'm super dumb, like, do I hit, you know, like, I don't know what- The it, mayor of where? Yeah, can I, can I wear, I don't know, I don't know, but like, or it would be more like a Baroque or like a a girthy, do I gotta shape my arms? Yeah, right, she'd have a throaty, yeah, like a croak instead of the dits. No, I thought it was weird too, like, especially in the 80s, like- that's just gross. Like, it's not even funny. Like, during that time, for a woman to not be right. manicured, like, especially under her arms or her legs, like, 
Ew. I have. Yeah. yeah, I didn't get it. Sidebar. I work with um, somebody. I work with a lot of people who don't feel the need to like shave their armpits or their legs or anything. And uh, they and some of them are covered in tattoos head to toe. Big old gauges on their in their ears, you know, like noses pierced, like mm-hmm. all these external like rebellious acts. And they will tell me they're like. Uh, I have to shave my armpits before this job interview because I've not gotten jobs because I could tell sure. the person interviewing me was like yeah. super grossed out by armpit hair. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think like it's we've come, quote unquote, like a long way since then in terms of body hair on females. But we still yeah. I mean, there I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, like, I mean, I was going to say it. it it surprises me even like on men, you know, like when it's like sticking uh, out not, or if someone no, when it's in my long, restaurant's wearing a tank top and I can see your armpit hair. I'm like, Ugh. it's not it's when it goes straight out towards you. That's not a treat. <laughs> that just take a scissor to <laughs> it. I'm not saying women have to shave their armpits and just take a scissor to it. Too long. It's too long. A little. Same as well, nose hair. I think that's a I think that's a a fine rule of thumb because I agree with you, Casey. I think that's for guys and girls. Like, I don't like seeing anybody with armpit hair that looks like, like we were talking about the blob earlier, like it's going to come and attack me. Like, well-groomed is is always a good thing for either of the the genders. Uh, It's always got a little flick of boogery deodorant. It's like nose hair. Oh, yeah. Ew. Uh slimy so uh, she's a, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm this whole episode is dan, yeah dan dan strikes out he he goes back to the group says she looked so lifelike mm-hmm. funny joke haha yeah. um and now it's time for cake because what birthday is complete without cake my favorite bit of the and episode yeah Visually yeah i thought it was a really i thought it was a really good bit so so we meet Papa Jack's replacement. Because Papa Jack's on vacation. Oh, yeah. He's on the Isles and of Greece. Is Greece an island? It's not, is it? <laughs> there are islands around Greece. He's, on He's in Crete. Nepos, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Crete. Uh, gross. <laughs> and Creatures. We meet, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Don't want to call out the Cretes. We meet uh, the, uh, the manager, the chef, the busboy, the cook. The he you name the nom de plume he you name the title he's got it it's Donald he's burnt out and is that loaded Donald yeah right is that loaded uh Donald is great he totally like total New York worn by the world type guy that just no nonsense Donald holds the weight of the gallows in this episode he does and Donald brings uh the dessert that they asked for to celebrate Harry's birthday and he plops it on the table. Like it is a dirty diaper, so and it's not a cake. It is not a cake. It is not what they ask for. It is a half-eaten pumpkin, pumpkin pie. The pie. fact that it's pumpkin is the perfect choice because pumpkin is predominantly yep. seasonal, and that means yep. that pie has been around for a long time. As we've established, this is mid-January, so that's at least a month. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Three weeks old. Oh yeah. Uh. So they all they all kind of quip about, you know, he says, my name is Donald. I do it all, basically. And they're like, we asked for a cake. And he's like, we don't have cake. 
Is it him that when he puts it down, he says party down? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he like he just looks at the table, he drops it. It's it's flopped on the table, and he's like, party down. I'll get I'll split hairs here. What he does is he throws the pie down. They're like, We ordered cake. He's like, I got cake. They're like, What about a candle? He's like, or they say, but or it's pumpkin pie. He's like, it's either this or I put some candles in a meatloaf. They're like this doesn't have candles. And then he throws a pile of candles yeah. down from apron and just says, party down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so the savior good. of this, ep- the savior of the city. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then I just, my next note is, well, I really like really quickly. So he does all of that and gives the sass and Selma goes, I feel at oh, home here. God, Selma. Oh, she did have a line. It's because I was going to say Mac and Selma have no lines in this episode other than good night, Harry, when they run the fuck out of the restaurant. No, Selma does have that that one. Like, I wanted an episode with just Donald and Selma. I want a date episode. God, yes, a hot date. One of the, oh, it would be a spicy, like, before it's time episode of interracial dating. And octogen age. The age gap. As well. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Age ain't nothing but a number. Yeah, but black don't crack. He could black be just as true. old. Yeah. Ooh, spice ash. That's not spicy. That's complimentary, and it's true. <laughs> Listen, take it from Ashley. Umbrella of the bush people here. <laughs> uh. So unfortunately, this is not a Selma. We don't. <laughs> we don't follow Selma and Donald to their. To the no. back seat of a Reliant K. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no. <laughs> we are we were at the gift exchange, correct? Oh, yeah. another addition. I hate this. this Where'd you oh. get me? Fucking hate that shit. Ugh. You're an adult. Adults don't get gifts ever again. No more gifts. I'm totally gifts are gifts are listed. Friends buy you a dinner. Like we're out eating. I got your yes. check. I'll buy you a drink. Yes. Yeah, we get drinks. Buy a couple. Co- buy a coffee. Yep. You bring a bottle of wine if someone's hosting something. Yeah, that's all you. Because as an adult, like you, you meet your necessities, and then anything over it, just get it yourself. Just get it yourself. Yeah, because you're gonna ask for it, and then you gotta wait, and then may not, you know, like just see if that, you need something for your life, just purchase it, and then you have it. That being, yeah, you just made exactly it because it's not like I nobody on this podcast right now would ever ask for something specific. But what happens is because of the gift giving culture, somebody has to come to you and say, well, what do you want? And then the conversation has to roll. It's just like, and if you say, I don't want nothing, you potentially could offend them. That's when you get the book on Egypt. <laughs> oh God. You just get the gift, the gift you never want it. You're uh, like, great. The Barnes and Noble, great. $10 and under table. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Because uh, they got something they wanted, and they're like, eh, it's Hans's birthday. The history of Celtics basketball. He likes Celtics. <laughs> this is hardbound. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, Harry, what did you get me? Everybody leaves a gift. We find out Billy didn't get him anything. No. Surprisingly. But Bull got him the gift that keeps on giving. So, splitting hairs, number one no one knew it was his birthday, but everybody happened yeah, right. to have yeah. gifts. 
it's a lot of pocket knives. Number exactly. two watches Yo-yos. from the gifts. one the one person who w- when they found out it was his birthday yeah, and was just right. like we're gonna go all out is the one person that comes to the actual planned dinner unprepared. Yeah. No. 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 She's wearing his birthday gift. She's got licorice thongs it's, on. It's, it's her own birthday suit. Oh, there's no crotch in ah. that gift. God, crotchless <laughs> gifts. <laughs> it's like 80s lacy. High no, cut. But I really... Oh, yeah. High hippers. Uh, Harry's got really, the same like... high hippers on. Those 80s jockstrap <laughs> undies. Well, Definitely in a teal bring... or a purple. <laughs> Totally. The reason I bring it up and the splitting hairs hair is like, obviously, there's plenty that we can pick a part of this episode, but (laughs) it seems like the presence, the only reason that the presence bit is brought up is for the bull gag that come the bit that comes right now, which I literally audibly said, what What the the fuck? fuck? When we were watching it, it's just so confusing. I don't find it funny. We could have done another bit to get everybody out of the restaurant. Like it could have been really easy to do that. We could have stuck with the pie. No. Like but so yeah. so you went back on now everybody has presents for a birthday that they forgot from a previously established joke just so we can set up a joke to get everybody out of the restaurant and the joke is really creepy and not good. The joke doesn't hit cuz it goes back to what you guys were talking about earlier is basically, we'll get into it in a second, but the premise of the joke is Bull's gift bums everybody right. out. It's just this relentless bummer. Same way so the Shriners uncomfortable. bums out my forensic file yeah. viewing. <laughs> so we find it, like, it bums everybody out and they leave. But as you guys mentioned earlier, the birthday party's already a bummer. Yeah, exactly. It'd be different if, like... There was it, it was bright. It was in a different restaurant. It looked like people were having fun. We've already visually established, without anybody saying a word, that no one's having a fucking good time. Right. Except for so when we get into Bull's joke, it's yeah, just like it's, overkill. Yeah, it's bizarre. We could have we could have gotten a reason to leave already. With, yeah. With the information we already have. So anyway, people pull out their presents. Harry gets to Bulls first. It's an envelope. And Bull says, I donated $5 in your name to the Orphan Children Hospital Fund. And then I don't have the verbatim line, but Bull kind of then extrapolates on this and goes into. These kids don't even know their you know, names. They don't even know they their don't own know birthdays. They their names, let alone their birthdays. These sad, homeless children, there are no birthdays. Like. Just so on and so forth, carries it on for two sen- sentences. A mole does yeah. a great job, yeah, yeah, of delivering it. I just think he wasn't. He was given, you know, poor writing. But then basically he goes, "Who wants whipped cream for the yeah. pie?" Punch, Donald ain't given no it. whipped cream. He's gonna spit on the so, floor. <laughs> so everybody's just bummed, and they, you know, they start to go, and yeah. everybody leaves, and then. Billy's on her way out, and then she decides to come back. Yeah. And Harry, because they all decide to leave, so everybody leaves. Everybody leaves very quickly. Yeah, no one says, like, happy birthday, no. Harry. They just get up and go. Been, um, wait, couldn't uh, wait to leave. Like, Billy goes to the John and comes back, and Harry's still sitting there, and Billy walks up, and because this, we get a fucking killer Donald line. 
Harry's sitting at the table by himself looking sad with his birthday cap all jaunty, just barely hanging onto his head. And Billy walks up and goes, Harry, I thought you were leaving. And Harry goes, no, nah, I think I'm just going to stay here, get some food and listen to music. Boom, right on point. Donald walks up and goes, uh, jukebox is broken. Kitchen's closing. I'm leaving. And you all got to be out of here in five minutes. I don't want to miss Love Boat. Uh, ju- yeah, jukebox is clo- uh, is busted. Kitchen is closed. And I'm leaving in five minutes so I don't miss the Love Boat. Boom, done. Donald out. Drop that mic. Crank. Donald the crank. Christmas with the crank. So, I bet Donald's yeah, the so coolest Billy... guy outside of work ever. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, you know he is. Because you know that he has like the heart shaped bed with silk yeah. sheets. He's and Donald's he wearing high cut panties too. <laughs> when, <laughs> oh yeah, leopard print. When he oh, says he's spicy. going home to watch the love boat, he's going home to watch the love boat with like three ladies oh, in yeah. bed. Like the love boat is is like an event for him. I don't know. I feel oh, yeah. like maybe Donald's going home to eat cat food, but I think. Because he gets no, it all out at work, so. he doesn't hold it in like your average like numbskull like holds all their emotions. He gets it all out there, so he, he still like has some jaunt in his step, and he whistles on his way to like Love Boat on a black and white television set. Oh, he watches it as he gets that Aqua Velva out. He's getting dressed. He's going out for drinks after Love Boat. Love oh, Boat yeah. gets him horny for Lorne. Oh, all right, all right. I'll I'll, I'll bite. I'll bite. I'll bite. That's what I'm, I'm a Donald going out. Oh, I, fan. Yeah, I'm down with that. Deep button, that one button mid-chest. We'll show him a little chest hair. Yeah. Oh, is Donald like, where my money, bitch? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> no, I'm not going there. I'm just saying he, he's, he loves the nightlife. He likes to boogie. I don't know. Donald might exploit his sisters well well <laughs> donald yeah, donald is you, you know so he, billy basically says like well you can't be alone on your birthday and she's like we could go see a show we could go see a movie and donald starts like, getting in on it basically donald just reads through all the bs and it's like go to her apartment yeah like she wants you to come home with her, and Harry's like whoa wh- what and then billy's like yeah that's not such a bad idea we'll um, you know, we'll have cocoa, we can shoot the breeze, like, that'll be fun. And then Donald goes, lose the cocoa, lose the breeze, and you can call it something else. Breakfast is at and 6 a.m. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Cherry on top. He's just like, go home and fuck. Breakfast ain't get at 6 a.m. Donald shows up late, and he doesn't get the griddle going for 20 minutes. That's a New York City diner. That diner should be open at four. So yeah. he probably is taking into account the so, that he's going to be love love boat hungover. Yeah, that's when the the poor little Latin guy's got to open up for him. Let the bread boat. guy in. Oscar, you got keys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell him to wait. <laughs> so then uh, we cut to commercial after Donald's like, just get the fuck out of here, go home with her. Uh, and then we're at Billy's apartment, and we get to meet uh, our. The second, second best character. Second best character. No, second and third best character. Yeah, that's true. Oh, uh, oh so yeah. we're in Billy's apartment. It's divey hallway. You hear the sirens. It's dark. It's dingy. And we see Mr. Grimsky Mr. shouting Grimsky. racial epithets at something. And you don't know what it is. And it turns out it's just a cute little cat. It's a cat. Six boxes of it's- litter. But still, I got to hose down the living room every night. Oh, Grimsky looks like he smells like a cat's vagina. Uh, And then we, Billy and Harry, come home, and she's he's like, "Oh, hello, lawyer and man of the week." Oh, Billy is getting down. Yeah, those boots be knocking. 
He should have said, hey, yeah. Billy, where's Donald? <laughs> is it the love boat yeah, tonight? Is it love boat night? Um, so, yeah, we get that, and Billy's like, oh, oh, geez. I just, I'm not men, not every week, basically, like, covering her tracks. Yeah, a little embarrassed. And then we get into the apartment, and... We all walk ho, into ho, an ho. apartment that I wish I never walked into. This is where I'm just like, ah, oh, God. So I was looking for weird stuff in Billy's apartment. I don't, I, I think it's a completely normal apartment set for, you know, a sitcom show. Thick golden girls. Nothing yeah. abnormal. Yeah, nothing, nothing quirky or anything like that. So that's totally fine, with the exception of the fact that it's Billy seems to keep the mistletoe subtle above her front door. Horniness. Yeah. Yeah. Harry sees it, mentions it. She's still at the door. He comes over to her. Basically, they go back and forth. She's like, I just didn't keep it up. Like, I just didn't take it down. Harry thinks it's Freudian. So on, they're about to kiss. Yeah. And, and we get interrupted. But before we get into the interruption, I was researching. Ooh, intermission. Uh-oh. Before and the big reveal. Cue the mistletoe Anything- ramba. So here's the mistletoe ramba. So where we are in the episode right now Mm -hmm. is Harry and Billy are about to kiss. Oh, yeah. Now, I believe I believed up until this episode that they probably have before. We just haven't seen it as an audience. Yeah. Now with this episode, I'm thinking, no, we they have not. Right. So whatever happened in the hospital when Harry was sick with the surgery, they never moved forward with that post-surgery. Yeah, they just did pills together. (laughs) Yeah, right. That being said, there is a world deep in the internet. Some slash? Some slash fic? In which Harry and Billy are together. Fan fiction? I found Horny. some Harry Billy fan oh fiction. Oh my god, this world Hans, is, that's what you've been doing with your life. There's no, everything has its beautiful niche. I love it. What's Gross. that thing that we learned from Harmon? Rule 34? Rule 34 is just a term that everything, anything it can be porno. Oh my, abs- so there must be, uh, I don't mean to pin it, but let's be honest, there's got to be Bull Harry fan fiction. Oh yeah, horny fiction. I'm sure there is. Amazing. This is this is a well. So I have only found a portion of what yes. is called Harry and Billy. Is this a dramatic together by Ash Van Gehring? Well, this portion isn't sexual, but it's chapter ten. Jesus Ooh. Christ! <laughs> I I am going to spend the next week tracking down the other chapters for some more possibly titillating. Chapters. Or not, just even the mundane. However, and then I'll shave and just keep the middle of my mustache and we can have a burning. <laughs> In, let, I'm going to read some, some excerpts from chapter 10, not the whole chapter. Oh, I fucking love but this. But first, I'm going to set the scene for you. Oh, good. Set this table. So I don't know what's happened. I haven't read the previous nine chapters, but Harry and Billy... Are still working in night court. Of course. <laughs> Billy is pregnant. Uh. With Harry's child. No one else knows. And they're going to run off and elope together. And Billy's going to resign. So it doesn't make Harry look bad. 
this sounds boring enough to be an actual episode of Night Court, everybody. Oh, yeah, is this just episode 15? <laughs> <laughs> so, she's pregnant. Everybody knows she's pregnant. Yeah. No one knows who who it is. They're assuming that she's coming back to work today and will be telling them who the father is. Right. Bull, Dan? And then Craven? she doesn't. So, let me pull this up. The Flasher? Can you get pregnant from a toilet seat? Are you talking about Richards? Yeah. Did you hear the Richards Ramba? No, I haven't got that episode yet. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, oh, nice. It, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it, uh, that was last episode, but I had to go back and listen to that rant. And okay, wow. so everybody's everybody's in court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been on you know a sabbatical. Let's say sure. it's it's been a little while. They're all doing their riffing, and Max says, "Sorry, sir, you had an announcement." Harry says, "As a matter of fact, Billy does. Ready, Billy?" Billy took a deep breath and announced, "I'm going to have a baby, everyone." There were a few seconds of stunned silence until Dan broke out into laughter. That's a good one, Billy, chuckled Dan. So what's the real news? Oh my God. That's it, Dan. I'm pregnant, Billy reiterated. The gaiety in Dan's eyes slowly mm. melted away. You're serious? I think she is, Dan, assured Mac. Well, don't just stand there. Congratulate her, pushed Bull. Bull and Mac did as they were told while Dan stood there in shock silence. I thought you were going to say while Dan Th- stood there and masturbated. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, smiled Billy. Now we all know I've been, uh, now we all know why I've been a grouching, vomiting lawyer, huh? Oh. Dan was still silent. Say, Dan, said Harry, doesn't Billy get a congrats from you? Congratulations, Billy, nodded Dan solemnly. So who's the proud papa? Before Billy could reply, Harry answered, That doesn't matter, Dan. The point is that we're all going to be there for Billy. So the father won't be in the baby's life? Asked Bull. Bull wants to be a daddy. Billy averted her eyes towards the gentle giant. She had hated... (laughs) I know. She had hated that she had to lie about the real father not being involved, but it was to protect their reputations until Billy could transfer to another courthouse. No, Bull, he won't, said Billy. Courthouse, more like whorehouse. Okay, tail. so we're, there's, a, there's a lot more of that. Um, oh, yes, please. You're not just going to disappear on us, are you, asked Bull, resembling a, a sad puppy. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to continue oh, I love to the scroll bull through. So basically, Dan has offended Billy. We're going to the next portion of chapter 10. Dan comes in to chambers later where Billy and Harry mm-hmm. are. And Dan Dan sighed and, and stood up. Billy, I shouldn't have said what I said last night. I don't normally apologize to anyone, but this is my way of saying it. When and you seen. said that there was no father in the picture... I got indignant because I believe that a man should take care of his offspring no matter what. Hell, my family lived in poverty, but my father never ran out on us. And even if they weren't married, daddy would have always made sure that mama and I were taken care of, even if he had to sell the clothes off his back, which were very few. And then you're leaving Manhattan Courthouse? Oh, hold on. Hansi, fell off right the thick of it. I know. This is some you're good build- shit, though, I know, right? you were slow building to the top. Come on, you fuck. 
So last I heard, yep, Dan. Whoa, what? Dan was in chambers. So Dan was so hurt. talking about his his father and that his would give the clothes off his back, however meager. Yeah. So he's talking to Billy and apologizing for being shocked and sullen the previous day. Right. Um, and this does this does get somewhere. So I'm going to finish his monologue. Cool. And then we're going to put a pin in it, go back to the story, and then come back. Okay. Got it. So we're going to intermittently because this this is all for for a purpose. There's an end game. Cool. Um so we're talking about his daddy and his mama, which is exactly how Dan would talk. Right. Of course. Um and then you're leaving Manhattan Courthouse? Why should you, Billy? I never thought that you'd let any man drive you from what you love doing. You still have a passion for being a lawyer, don't you? Of course I love being a lawyer, Dan. But you don't understand. There's more to this than you know, and I can't talk about it until I officially resign, Billy explained. Why? Dan inquired. Because our jobs and reputations would be on the line. Dan squinted at her. Our? Pin. If if Dan were a Sioux Falls mom. Oh, God. And we're doing this all to defend the honor of a guy... Who eats chocolate cigars and throws fake dog poop around the courtroom. Right. Like, I don't... <laughs> great links. We're going to such great links to defend the honor of a crackpot. This is the beginning so, yeah. of a Forensic Files, because this is the one where yeah. Harry leads her on. Is like, don't worry, don't tell anybody. It'll be okay. And then we find this Billy's corpse in a sludge bucket in some guy's basement 45 years from now. Because nobody thought none the wiser because he convinced her not to tell her she was pregnant with his unwanted child. So nobody thought to suspect Harry. Ugh. That's the greatest trick. The greatest magic trick he ever pulled. Oh, yeah. Until he pulled that trigger and that gun in his mouth in his yacht in southern Florida. <laughs> so now we're back in the real world in the episode. Yeah. And Harry and Billy are just literally centimeters away yeah. From kissing for the first time under the mistletoe, and all of a sudden we hear excuse from the me. background, "Excuse me," and Billy one, and yeah. Harry turn very quickly. And I cue Ramba because my note for the name sounds like an '80s insult. Nerd burglar. Nerd burglar. Yeah, that's Nerd exactly burglar. right. That's good. Night, Boygla. So, yeah, they turn arms in the air, and after, excuse me, he doesn't sound like that, but he should. Right, exactly. Excuse me, and they turn, and they look, and it's the nerdiest burglar you've ever seen. So- Is that thing loaded? Dressed like a dumb dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. With a newsy cap. A newsy cap, vest, I think it's a corduroy-type suit. My glasses. White Chuck Taylor. Pants. Yeah, white- canvas shoes that are are weirdly stained nothing's funnier than a fat cat burglar oh. and this guy's a fat cat yeah, burglar. this ladies and gentlemen is nick wilson the nerd burglar Pin wilson so nick wilson has a gun yep and my note is what the fuck is that thing loaded? Mm-hmm. Um, we come back from commercial break after they oh, this put is their hands up and they're being tied together. Classic Christmas heist. They're tied with Christmas ribbon. And it's ribbon. Christmas yep. ribbon. You can never tell. Yeah, yeah, he's so- having trouble with the knot. 
It's like the penguin going to rob the National Bank on Christmas Eve. (laughs) They're just short of the bows on their mouths. The tank is made with gold. (laughs) Yeah. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Mm -hmm. Um, So Nick is stressing out because he's the the knot isn't very tight. Right. um, And he doesn't think he's doing this well enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, seems like somebody for Christmas should have asked for a robbing for dummies. Am I right? Hey, there she is. Um, Selma Hacker's here. Yeah. Alive and well. That joke is just as good as anything in this episode, with the exception of, of Damon or whoever. Damon. Donald, yeah. Spice. (laughs) Oh, it's It's a season. He's not Malaysian. Damon, Damon Wayans. Oh, Jesus. Where's Keenan? Oh, I guess they're named Damon. Don't make me laugh. I'm shaking my baby. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, speaking of your good joke, and that ties into this reoccurring joke that they beat like a goddamn horse's corpse <laughs> of Nick being bad. Like, this is a bad knot. That's why they kicked me out of Boy Scouts. Yeah, right. Exactly. So we'll come to find so Nick. Nick can't get anything right. Nerd Nick, Nick has and Nick has some really low self-esteem because of it. So so there's a little bit of banter that's not really I don't He's, think imperative. Uh, no. Like it's like, why didn't you come home five minutes later? Why didn't right. you leave five minutes earlier? Back and forth. It's not funny. I think it's supposed to be, but but the majority of the purpose of it is to show the stressful nature yes. of Nick. And Nick, in his defense. It's like, I'm a nervous type of guy. That's why I got kicked out of air traffic control school. Exactly. <laughs> I think it was something with the post office. Is that thing loaded, Nick? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> my next note is judge and lawyer. Great. Exactly. So, yeah, that's yeah, so it. basically, like, Harry, Harry's going through. You can take it, Hans. Well, he's like, is this your first offense? He's being very judgely. Is this your first offense, yeah. Nick? You know, like, what were your motives? He's like, what are you, some kind of judge? He just goes, oh, my God, you are a judge. Nick is like, it's like they're just, you know, everything uh, is based on everything else. So they're like, yeah, you know, the disgruntled nerd that's lost a bunch of jobs. The real life Nick is the guy that ties up a family in the basement and like masturbates on their shoes. BTK. BTK, exactly. Dennis Reader. But in Night Court World, he's just a... A, a, a lovable crook to which uh, uh, Harry finally convinces him. It's like, just, you know, get out of here. Get out of here, Nick, right? Isn't that like, he's yeah. like, you're a judge. He's like, just go, you know. No, they have one more really confusing bit before he convinces him to leave. Is it the phone bit? The phone rings. Yeah, yeah, the phone bit. So here, I think I have an answer to it. Yes. So what happens is the phone rings. And it startles Nick because he's not facing it and he's never clearly heard a phone ring before. He's lost in time. So the phone starts ringing. Billy's like, it's just the phone. Like, don't, you know, kind of like, don't shoot us because you're, you know, you got scared. And Nick gets a little self-righteous and is like, who would be calling you at this hour? And she was like, it could be a wrong number. And he was like, a a wrong number would have hung up. And she was like. And then it goes back and forth. Well, they wouldn't know it's a wrong number if you don't answer and so on and so forth. And then the ringing stops and 
He was like, it's somebody that knows you. It's someone that knows you that knows that you're here, and then they're calling and you're not answering. That's so basically, Nick's now freaking out that like someone's going to come over looking for Billy, which means that he's going to get caught, so on and so forth. Now, yes. answer to why the phone bit was necessary in the first place is like, who would be calling you at this hour? It's Dan. Yeah, oh. I thought the same thing, right? Okay, I never thought that. I just but thought then it was why a- would Dan so, show up if she didn't answer? I because she didn't answer because Nick was right the whole time. This is Kaiser Sose. He was right the whole time. Wait, so, so Dan is gonna sneak in while she's away and hit that panty drawer? No, yeah. I believe that. In my opinion, trying to salvage any, you know, fluidity to this yeah. episode. Dan calls, she doesn't answer, maybe she's not home yet, or maybe she's just screening, or so on and so forth. Dan's like, I'll just go over there, because I'm going to be, I'm confident that she'll be home by the time I get there. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, the phone bit- So I I believe it's Dan, just because that that will pay off in the end of the episode. Uh, Because yeah, they have the phone bit, the wrong number, logic- and then my next note is Nick got kicked out of the Nick's bed with numbers. That's why he got kicked out of the Treasury Department. That's what I was thinking of Treasury Department. It's because he, the, also the phone facilitates him leaving because he's like, somebody called. They know you're home. You didn't answer. They're going to be coming any minute. I got to get out of here. You guys count to 15 times 60, which is... Uh, oh, that's he says, that Yeah, because he said, be quiet for 15 minutes. And she says, you took my clock. Oh, yeah. And then he says, count 50 yeah. to 15 by 60. And she's like, that's I don't right, think that's, that's right. right. And he was just like, well, that's why. I Nick, my note for Nick was like, Nick is so annoying. I hope he gets his wig split in Sing Sing. Oh, well, like, I, have a I just note. wanted him to get hurt so bad. I have a note about that later on when Nick, uh, with the prison talk with Nick. But for now, Nick um, runs out. Nick is gone. And then they have to come up with a, a way to get out of it. First, they think the phone, but they're tied up. Classic trope of two people tied up having to run around. They tried the intercom to which they just get hold of a disembodied most jewish voice i've ever heard in my life oh that's my note super jewish super (laughs) exactly yeah exactly so like the octogenarian Uh, jewish doorman i will say we have to give a shout out to ellen foley and harry anderson because I do think that being tied together, how they move, was very funny. Mm -hmm. I think they did it very well. It's hard to play farcical, you know, humor like that. If only Ellen Foley had a fucking bag over her head so I didn't have to see her facial expressions. Glenn Beck is here. I know. I was going to say it's time for some snuff fan fiction by Ash Van (laughs) Garen. Well, we're getting pretty close to some snuff fic. BTK hearts Billy Young. (laughs) (laughs) Because they, no, I agree. Like, it does go along. And it made me think about sketches we tried to do that were super super dependent on physicality and the timing of those physical jokes. And those are such tenuous things. Like, you can't, it just falls apart. Yeah, we should, we should go back. We should always Midwestern mom it and remind us that we love the show. We love the people on it. We just also love mm-hmm. splitting hairs and, and busting chops. So they have Speaking this great of, physical 
I'm not around. a fan of Ellen Foley's facial um, expressions. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> so they, but I'm sure she's got a good around. heart. Yeah. They're hopping around together. And then Harry's like, uh, you know, do you see anything? And they're kind of do a gag where they're both hopping in circles. Harry says, I see a pair of scissors on the table. Right. So they hop over to the table and then uh, 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 they fall onto the couch. That's not all Billy falls onto. What is that I feel? Not Harry's dick. It's the remote. No, Harry feels the remote. Billy feels his hard cock. Because he's like, could you move to the side? Oh, that's right. She does literally fall on his dick and balls. (laughs) If it was a banana, he'd He'd be be dead. She'd be happy. (laughs) Right. So we got, and then he finds the remote, which he snugs into his rectum to keep his prostate juicy. This is great. And weird and gr- like, I was like, okay, because we talked about Ellen Foley's apartment is not as weird as Bull's on face value. Right. But once you skim the surface, <laughs> she's got an old mistletoe hanging in the doorway. Oh, yeah. So anyone who comes in, she's like, oh, mistletoe, kiss. She's got a jar full of knockout drops on the table that we haven't seen them yet. <laughs> right. Um, But and then Harry turns the TV <laughs> on and it's- uh- it's porn. hardcore porno, right? Just right out the gate, hardcore porno. Which uh, was she, Harvey Weinstein? Which I just Boom. love the eighties joke. The nice topical. The eighties joke. I didn't know you had cable. I didn't, yeah. Which is that, and during that time, and I did like minimal research, but like, yeah, there were no. If you had cable, there were no channels. You're getting like you could get, you know, HBO. maybe HBO, news, yeah. news. Yeah, and you could get news stations from like a different state or Ooh, like Azerbaijan Spanish, news, Spanish stations, stuff like that. So like it's literally for HBO and, and porn. Y- yanking your cock. Yeah, the, we had the same. Con- Meg and I had the same conversation because she's like, "Why would cable have porn?" I was like, "This is a throwback to when cable was ABC, NBC, not even Fox yet, CBS, and hardcore Azerbaijani porno." No, you paid for cable. Like cable was that luxurious. Like you got your rabbit ears, you got your three to five channels, and then cable was that filthy dregs of like it's like the internet now, basically. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it had whatever you wanted. You turn to the Spice Channel, and then oh, it's just yeah, porno right. on a loop. So we got old. So yeah, spice. she's she. It's not a mistake because your TV doesn't reset to channel one. And channel one isn't a porno channel. Right. So Billy, previously, before going to work that day, oh my God. was watching a porno. Good point. Oh, yeah. Morning. Whether it was on in the background or she was actively like partaking, that was on a porno channel. Sipping yeah. coffee that she chose. to morning porno. that shit don't come on after the Golden Girls. Well, a little okay. Kahlua and that coffee. Get that dildo mobile going. Well, thank God after this happens and they almost kiss, old Nick Wilson enters with, is that loaded? And I wrote down, I didn't write down, I hope that's loaded. I just wrote down, Nick, (laughs) end it now. They've seen your face. They know your name. Make it happen. But yeah, I've just, I put, can't use the elevator. (laughs) Like He's so stupid. Nick, you're so stupid. Well, the elevator is, yes, stalled, so he can't use the stairs, Somebody must be moving in. It's probably full of lamps and a couch. And then Harry's got that, Harry's left halfy, so he gets real hornery. I got it. Kaiser Harry Hornangry. Yeah. So old Teddy Horning gets upset, 
and he uh, he's like, Nick, I want this. I want you to end this now. To which Nick's basically points the gun at them and then takes a quick turn and is like, all right, just one shot and I'll end it all. Like he's going to put a gun in his mouth. Fucking blow his head off in their living room. <laughs> just, which would have been, that's where that fan fiction would go. But sadly, Billy's like, don't do that, Nick. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. And that's when Harry starts like, Nick, you know what? You're having a rough go of things. You're anxious. This is my f- You're a nervous guy. Favorite Harry monologue of all time. I'll tell you what. All time. We could get you in a place. Maybe a mental institution. Maybe a prison. And you know what they got there, Nick? What? Time. All the time you want. And he's like, that doesn't Nick, sound too you know bad. What you can relax in prison was no, a line he said. Literally, literally. All the time you want time with yourself, three square meals a yes. day. I'm just like three what? hots in a cot. To which I was this like, "This is not cool hand Luke. Yes, this is a maximum security prison in New York fucking city in the eighties. Oh, yeah, exactly. He. Well, I think I think Harry's going towards more like mental institution. He said prison, and you can relax. No. That when they're done with you and they knock your teeth out, like when you're nothing, when you're a husk of a man, maybe. Yeah, Nick would not do it. <laughs> An anxious guy sending him to prison for some time. Hey, There's Nick, time. You're now. gonna be a bitch. I've seen the beginning of Shawshank. He's the guy that's crying. Nick is the g- yeah. I want my mama. I didn't do nothing. I, I, I want out of here. Oh, he's, he's the guy the that mothers gets the, are going to get a hold of him. That he's or the, the guy that uh, what's the guy Arlie Ermy or who's the guy that plays Joe Jonah Jameson? He's the guy who's like, come on, bunk oh. with me, Nick. And then the next scene, he's yeah, tattooing a, a swastika from, on his butt cheek. <laughs> it's from Whiplash. Fucking what's his name? Uh, he's J.K. Simmons, JK Simmons yeah. from Oz. Yeah, he's the like nice neo-Nazi that's like, bunk with me. We're good. And then he's doing you up the butt and <laughs> carving swastikas in your butt cheeks. Uh. Yeah, not so. I was like, I was like, Nick, just put that gun in your mouth because you are in trouble. Jump out the fucking window! You've had every chance to climb out the window. You came in. He came in the fucking window. But sure enough, next scene, the police are all dragging Nick away. Oh, oh no, we we missed a good fresh fish, fresh fish. Yeah. I'm reeling him in. They're throwing jizz in his face. Oh God. <laughs> uh. So yeah, they. He's, Which, by the way, if the elevator's broken, he's gonna still have to go down the stairs. Yeah. Oh, good point. Lazy Nick, Ugh. nerd burglar, you're lazy. Oh, I know what we missed. You're right. The cable. So yeah, we get more. Oh. We find out that Nick's a crook because his dad played music and he wanted all his kids to play music. Don't throw your dad under the bus because he was an artist, and Nick's bad at music, so that's why he's a criminal. And Harry and Billy talk him down, and he sits on the end table, and the TV turns on, again, to the porno, and Nick says, oh, Cable, and has this look on his face, like the scene we don't see is Nick jerking off onto these two people who are tied up to the couch. Oh, yeah, like a blue velvet scene he as he lips. plays, like, like a runaway Sue. <laughs> And he's sniffing like the panties he cut up and Harry's underwear. What's that great song they use for that scene? Oh, it's so perfect. Oh, when when Dean Stockwell's yeah. singing into oh, that lamp. Oh, it's so Fuck, weird. It's so it. good. A candy-colored clown they call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night 
Just you sprinkle stardust and you whisper, go to sleep, everything is all right. I close my eyes, then I drift away. But we also find out that Nick's brothers are the Beach Boys. I forgot to mention that. Yes. Yes. But Nick... Nick's beach is Nick about to get to New York in prison to go to air traffic school and boy club, boy, bo- Cub Scout college. Uh, so yeah, we cut to commercial after the porno starts and, uh, He's go- Nick's gone, yes, and it's just Billy. He's, and- well, he's about, the police are in the apartment and Nick says, you make a cute couple right. before he leaves. And Billy's like, we're not a couple, we just work together. And he goes, oh, trouble. Yep. Uh, and then he gets taken away. You don't know what trouble is, Nick. Oh, God, So Nick. then Oof. Harry gets ready to leave and, and Billy says, you know, Harry, you're welcome to stay if you want. And he was like, you know. Kind of like, oh, what Nick said got to me. It could make work awkward. And he pulls the mistletoe off the door and he was just like, it's dead anyway. Throws it in her face and says, whore. <laughs> yeah. Shame. Shame. I left a 20 on the counter. Um, And then Billy says, and honestly, Ellen Foley, God, horrible joke she was given. She delivered it as best she could. She was like, guess we didn't need anything hanging over our heads. Oh, uh, no, yeah. You don't. And I was like, oh, you poor, unfortunate actor. (laughs) But she did. She did it as well as she could. Um, So then Harry leaves. Yep. They agree you don't shit where you eat. It's Um, not worth it. So begrudgingly, Harry leaves. um, And then, you know, Billy starts to go about her business for the evening. Gets a pack of batteries out. She she opens the drawer of the desk (laughs) and gets her rabbit. (laughs) No, she starts carving a potato. <laughs> and Make it's probably oh my gosh it's probably could you think of like you know like a really 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 good vibrator at that time it's probably the size of a oh, goddamn shit, sewing yeah. machine it's like, like two toilet paper rolls taped together yeah you got a, a car battery attached to it to yeah it's, you got a, sure. it's a gas pull start it runs. <laughs> they're still when i worked at the sex shop i was still selling like a version of the same like company that made the first vibrator that really got popular was a door-to-door foot massager and oh, all yeah. these like it was selling like hotcakes because really the like the sleazy uh you sidle it up door to door salesman would get invited in and was like see how good this is for your feet and then it would slowly right up evolve into him telling him what it's really good for yeah so so, so she's got her grandma's vibrator she's got gra- yeah. you know, and harry's panties <laughs> On her head. So she's getting she's getting ready, and she hears a knock on the door. So you know, I think we're all in oh, agreement. Oh, she run, rushes we're, to the we're door. We're like Harry's Harry's come back, and she she has that rush. She's like, I'm getting lucky tonight, baby. And lo and behold, it's Dan. Oh yeah, dressed to the nines, a full tux, looking 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 fine. He and looks like Indy from the beginning of Temple of Doom. Oh, oh. three suit, the coats, coat, the scarf. And he's got the ant. He's got the panty dropping antidote. Yeah, he does. Bottle of gin. Can he borrow a cup of vermouth? No, Dan. I brought my own vermouth. I'm not an idiot. So Dan comes in and he's trying to. He wants to close the deal on this date. He needs someone for the gala post haste. What time is this gala at? Two a.m. Right. That's what I was thinking too. So. Oh my god! It's just a swingers party party downtown. 
Billy's just exhausted. Just like, you have no idea what I've been through tonight. Harry came here. We were, you know, uh, robbed at gunpoint, so on and so forth. I'm just tired. Blah, blah, blah. Dan's not really paying attention, true Dan fashion. He's like, Harry was here with you? And she was like, you haven't listened to anything I said? He was like, you mean to tell me you spent a romantic evening with someone you work with? And it wasn't me? me? So she kicks Dan Dan out. I just realized that- Takes the booze, though. I just, Dan's party, the mayor is just like a euphemism for like a Garth Ennis preacher, like giant, (laughs) like Asian transvestite who runs like- (laughs) Little Italy. (laughs) Yeah, an underground sex club underneath the Port Authority. So before we finish the episode, I'm going to go back to Harry and Billy together. What could have been? So if you guys don't remember, when last we let off, Billy says, I can't tell you who the father is because of our reputation. And Dan Mm. is, is confused and says, our Suddenly, Billy and Dan hear a set of keys rattling and the doorknob turn. Dan was stunned to see Harry enter the apartment with some bags of his own. Dan, what are you doing here? questioned Harry, equally shocked. I could ask you the same thing, countered Dan. And you've got keys to Billy's apartment? Dan suddenly came to a realization. Now I see. Both of your jobs and reputations are on the line. Harry's the father. Yeah, Dan, he is, confirmed Billy. Dan startled the couple with a loud clap of his hands. Ha! I knew it. That night when you claimed you were robbed and you said that Harry was in your apartment. It started then, didn't it? Jesus Christ. It's Nick's baby. Dan, you know damn well that this apartment being robbed was not a lie, said Harry. Nick Wilson appeared in court where we all agreed to a light sentence (laughs) for him at a mental institution. He didn't get raped. Specific episodic fan fiction. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Dan had to think about it. Yeah, you're right. But you two have been together. Yes, we have, Dan. And we've been together for a while. More so stealing time to be together, said Harry. And you didn't trust any of us to keep your secrets, said Dan. Some friends you are. You didn't even stop me when I was bad-mouthing you, Harry. Geez, are we at least invited to the wedding? Oh, you noticed my ring, said Billy, raising her hand for Dan to see. (gasps) You're engaged? Didn't you just ask if we were invited to the wedding, questioned Harry. I was being sarcastic, Harry, shouted Dan. Well, I hope that you two will be happy considering that you felt you couldn't count on us to share in your happiness. He's gone. Dan leaves. But where's Mr. Grimsky with a little Peruvian sex slave throwing firecrackers <laughs> around around the apartment? <laughs> with the best cocaine in the city. How fucking hysterical. God, that's like the new Star Trek is movies. That? This is the divergent point. This is insane. Nick Wilson. So in fan fiction we can He's confirm huge. that Nick Wilson did not go to prison, but a mental facility. Those aren't, a, those in our aren't fan pretty fiction. either. No, no, they're not. Damn, dude. Crazy. Okay, so finish the nice episode pull. and then I have one one last bit to end it on. So yeah, Billy kicks Dan out, slams the door, then it cuts to the hallway, Dan is gone. Harry saunters down the hallway, knocks on the door, and uh, Billy screams like, I've had enough for the night. Basically, she's not opening the door. She thinks it's Dan. Right. And then Harry, oh, God, this is just, anytime I'm like, I'll give Harry a few, I'll give you a little bit more rope. He hangs his fucking self with it. The fucking line I hate, I hate that, just that whiny, 
she she doesn't uh, she's not gonna open the door and Harry goes it's my birthday well yeah because Grimsky comes out sees him the commotion and he turns to Mr. Grimsky and he just goes it's my birthday to Mr. Grimsky pulls out one of his ratty cats hands it to him he says I didn't have time to wrap it Harry got the pussy he was looking for Ooh. But then the uh, but then the little the little Asian boy that Grimsky drilled a hole in his head and poured acid his in kind wife. of starts to escape, <laughs> yeah. and Grimsky has to run it's him my down. Cousin. And then he just shows half naked pictures to the to the PD, and they get a little uh, uh, they they feel a little squeamish, so they just let him go. Ta- that's Dumber. my fan fiction: serial killing night court fan fiction. <laughs> But well, before we before we finish and gavel, gavel bang, I'm going to end this chapter. Yes. So, I I would say that maybe in a perfect world, Billy ends mm-hmm. up coming to the door. Yes. And this is the start of their their torrid how, yeah. love affair. Right. Harry doesn't fuck that cat. But he has back, sex with Billy. Back to together. They have decided. Billy and Harry have decided to announce to everybody mm-hmm. that they're getting married, and that Harry is the father of the baby. So they get everybody together. Everybody's quipping. Harry says, and we're having a baby. Sir, we already knew that Billy's pregnant, reminded Mac. He's the father, Mac, announced Selma. <gasps> you knew? gasped Dan. Oh, God. Yeah, I knew what it was before she let it loose in the courtroom. Selma, glared Billy, not wanting that incident to come up ever again. What? What? I don't know. I don't know. Selma smiled and popped a piece of gum in her mouth to hold off her taste for nicotine. Ooh, I was going to say that's not Selma. (laughs) Did you know that they were engaged before now, asked Dan? Sure I did, answered Selma. Hey, how come me and Matt got left out of all this, pouted Bill? Don't worry, big guy, comforted Harry, patting Bull on the back. All of you know now, and Billy and I were wondering if you'd like to be godparents to our baby. Well, I'm in, sir, nodded Mac. I can teach the little tyke taxidermy, shouted Bull. Maybe a trip to the zoo would be better, suggested Billy, gagging on the thought of her cat collecting dead alley cats to stuff. Oh, what the hell? If it's a boy, I'll introduce him to his first nudie magazine. A girl? I'll buy her a chastity belt instead, remarked Dan. Leave that one to me, said Harry, through a forced smile. Uh. I guess I can tell the kid about the good and bad stuff of smoking, sighed Selma. Anyway, thanks for the celebration, you two. I'm over for a cigar overdue for a cigarette break. This is the last paragraph of the chapter. This is why it has nothing yeah, yeah. to do with this episode, but I had to finish it on this. Is Selma going to heaven? Oh no. Selma took her leave of the gang. As she was walking down the hallway, she had a bad cough and <gasps> ended up hacking up blood into no. some tissue she had in her pocket. What? She looked to see if anyone noticed and continued to the elevator. For a much needed cigarette. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, no shit. Chapter ten. This is this No Country for Old Night Court. This narrative shifts from the most bland Midwestern uh uh just exposition to the darkest David Cronenbergist like uh depths of hell. Man. Yeah. I thought I saw it going somewhere because of the gum. And I was like, whoever wrote this really had is like not happy that Selma died. Uh, yeah. But then I love that the capper to the chapter was like, yeah, no shit, she died. Yeah. Maybe she should have chewed gum. I'm gonna. So they're 
there you have it. If there is oh. any salvage for that episode, it's, it's that, that it caused alone. me to find this fan fiction in which now I will try to research and find the other chapters. Is there an author to Ooh. that fan fiction? Yes, there is. Give me just one moment. Did we I'm, make fun of them Thank you for reminding me, Hans. Bleep it out. Um, it's Harry and Billy Together by Helena Clara Boucher. Ooh, Boucher. 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 Why do I know that name, Boucher? It's kind of like Waterboy. Bobby Boucher. Don Boucher. No, the Bouchers. That's a family friend. All right. Um, uh, this was published February 8th, 2016. Oh, my God. So this is not old. We it need to make friends old. with these people. Yes. But the Bouchers, this we need to like- older woman. Uh, I need to, we need to finish, add on to their chapter, which will really chap them of like Selma, like recovering from some miracle drug. Yeah. yeah. No, but when you started the story, I was like, that's a funny idea. When it, when it was the whole Billy, like they came back from sabbatical and I was like, night court summer break. Oh, like the Save by the Bell situation. <laughs> yeah. They all get out of the city. Oh they my go God. To you know what it is? They all Myrtle have Beach? to be. Uh, a court on a cruise. So they have uh, to handle everything on the cruise brig. In-house court. Yeah. Quartery. <laughs> That's so much more exciting. I was going to say, like, it's probably Labor Day weekend or but something. But everything is but inversed. No. Like, Harry doesn't have... He can't be the judge on the sea. It's Bull, because Bull's the... He has the nautical judiciary I say knowledge. that everybody has their same positions, but it hap- it starts at, like, 8 a.m. A lot of walking the plank. Ooh, or you could make Dan the judge. Because you want to get out, you know, in time for, like, my ties. Right, or play shuffleboard. Yeah, exactly. You want to catch Mel Torme. And one of the one of the rulings has to be because something happened in international water, so it gets thrown out. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> Somali pirates, you got the whole thing. Oh, what? Night court, summer break. I feel like Selma That's ends good. up with a Somali pirate. They all get the same cruise, but they husband. didn't think they were together. <laughs> like, they're all annoyed that they all got the same, like, discount cruise from the guy who sells tickets. The bootleg ticket dude. Bringing them all back. That's it. That's I it. I love it. But yeah, so there will be more of together. Yeah. There will be There's blood. There's probably other. Uh, gavel bank time. hanky. Uh, three. We know what Helena Boucher would give it. Yeah. Uh, episode four. The f- I go seven for us. This was fun. All the extra shit. But episode four. Three. Three. Yeah. Threes. I'm going to just do four. You, Ash, you Midwest gave it a three. I'll give it a four. Yeah. Case, I think you that's the lowest four. I've ever scored. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. Uh, but overall experience, you went seven. Mm-hmm. You sneak that fan fiction script into the bathroom, Case. <laughs> that's my pen name. Yeah, that's where. Where <laughs> do you think I Boucher. found it? That's where do you think I found it? Under the toilet tank. <laughs> yeah, in in plastic in the toilet tank. Oh yeah. Oh, with my favorite pen. You got a it's, new roommate in the mental Helena, institution. <laughs> Helena Boucher is actually like an anagram for Casey Van Heel. If you take all the words out, flip them, reverse them. Helena V Boucher. <laughs> oh God, it's like numbers. Um, I gave it a three. I gave it a three. And I, yeah. I didn't have fun. <laughs> so. I also, <laughs> oh, no. I also like it's, it's not. I know I'm hard on Billy. It, I don't think that any episode is good without the entire ensemble. Yeah, yeah in, a, in a portion of it, like they, they just don't hit a good stride when it's just two people 
more central and and everybody else forgotten. Like if you if you miss Bull in an episode or a Mac yeah. in an episode or even a Selma, like that's okay. Like we feel it, but it's not big. But to have everybody pretty much non-existent, yeah. they gave like they the way to do it was like have those two get held hostage by the nerd burglar. But then they all show up. The rest of the cast shows right. up throughout the night because they're sad that they didn't get Harry well, a gift. It been, and then everybody's together. It should have been Harry's apartment, not yeah. Billy's. Got you. Yeah, I could see that. Like, working. and everybody keep feeling bad, like, and stopping by, like, yeah, if you want to do. But there's also there was no point to the burglary. He there oh, was yeah. more of a point in the fan fiction. Yeah. No, there totally was. Yeah. He just, they gave him too many very flaccid jokes. It was like, okay, we have to explain this guy. So we're going to give him a third of the episode. Yeah. Basically, they had to create a reason for Billy and Harry's horny tryst. Yeah. So yeah, two threes and a four. But I, I really do think like, number one, we're getting through this season and into murky post territory. But I think also like, we had low ones last season too. Like next week will be an uptick for sure. Yeah. In some way. Oh, don't. So that's good. Knock on wood. That's good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The night is long and full of weirdos. Love have- you guys. Have a good night. Court. Court. When do you think there'll be fan fiction of uh, of the Have a Good Night Court? Ooh. Oh. We can't. We got We can't make fun of these fan fiction writers. Other when our when our enough. children get a little bit older, yeah, oh, right. they'll get a hold of us, and we'll be doing all these <laughs> gnarly things. I'll be bull sex slave. Talk about firecrackers. Oh, Fired sex slave. Harvey's gonna put me in a crooked home when I'm in my forties. <laughs> Come here, There was case 25. Is that thing loaded? That better not be loaded. All right. Uh, an episode loaded, by the way, with plenty of treats for all you fan fiction writers out there to give it a crack. Little meta on meta. Have a good night court on night court action. And be sure to send all that fan fiction to our Facebook page. It's actually Facebook, Facebook, Facebook.com slash jerkpracticepod. And if you like the podcast, make sure to check out the other episodes, subscribe, rate, and review the whole the whole uh, spiel we do here. We also have our other other mother podcast, Jerk Practice, that's also on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. So get out there and... Hey, hey, is that thing loaded? Night Court. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Pumpkin pie? What's wrong with the pie? We ordered cake. I'm out of cake. You're damn lucky to get the pie. It's either this or stick some candles in a meatloaf. There's no candle. Party down. Where's Papa Jack? Grease. I'm your new host, Donald. I'm also your waiter, your cook, and your busboy. So I don't want to hear any complaints about the service or the food. And I expect everybody to eat with their utensils. 
I feel at home here. 